Thank you for listening to this week's Freedom Church podcast. We hope it helps and inspires you. Well, if you're new here to Freedom Church, if you're watching online, it's your first time in a location, it's great to have you with us. My name is Sim Dendy. I'm one of the leaders here, and we are taking on part two of the Battle for Your Mind. Now, I know the first week we did Battle for Your Mind, we had a lot of really positive comments. Thank you so much for the feedback. It's always nice to hear that people have appreciated what we're talking about. But hopefully it won't just be a nice talk, but hopefully it'll be some transformational teaching that will really help you in the way you think. Last time we talked about the mind, it's amazing. You've all got these amazing minds. Look at the person next to you and say, your mind is amazing. Your mind is amazing. amazing. Absolutely. Your mind's amazing. And we talked that idea that you are moving in the direction of your strongest thought. Your desires are powerful and you are moving in the direction of your strongest thought. In February, maybe early March 2020, a woman in Australia went shopping and she went into a local supermarket and as she went into a supermarket she went round the corner and there had been a delay in deliveries and she goes to the the toilet roll aisle and there are no toilet rolls down the whole aisle it's been absolutely emptied and she takes a picture of the empty uh, toilet roll section and she puts on her social media feed look what's happened to my local supermarket I'm blaming COVID. And she blamed COVID, which wasn't even in Australia at that time. In fact, it was still just mainly in China. And she blamed COVID for what she saw in her local supermarket. What happened? You know the story. All around the world, there was a shortage of toilet rolls. Yes, we had an absolute pandemic of no toilet rolls. And people in other countries, in America, in Japan, um, in in New Zealand, uh, here in England, here in Romsey, we had a shortage. In fact, even in Hong Kong, there was an armed robbery for toilet rolls. People were so desperate. In fact, there was a newspaper, true story, in Australia that printed some extra blank sheets for their readers. So if they got caught a bit short and they had the copy of the local newspaper, they would be okay. (laughs) One small picture, one small thing in your life can have the biggest impact. A picture, they say, can paint a thousand words. You stick it on social media, probably a million words could be produced. A wet market in Wuhan and we have a worldwide pandemic. A small thing can make a big difference. The smallest thought can wreck your day. The first thing you look at on your phone when you wake up in the morning could impact the rest of your day. Small things make a big difference. In our house, when the remote control for the television, which we, for some reason, our house called it the buttons. When the buttons go missing, the whole house knows about it. One small thing creates a big impact around the Dendy household as we're looking for the buttons. Where have they gone? And in the Bible, you know the story of of the the man who sees the cloud the size of a man's fist. It's small. But Elijah in the story knows what's coming. He says, it's time to run. There's rain coming because a small thing means a big impact. In the same way, James chapter 3, there's this idea of the, the tongue being small but has a huge impact. The rudder of a ship is small, has a huge impact, and so on and so forth. And there's that moment where Elijah is meeting with the presence of God. And God passed him by in the cleft of the rock and he whispers into Elijah's ear, a small thing makes a huge impact. 
And maybe you don't hear God's voice as an audible voice, but maybe you hear him in your mind, in your thought life, because a small thing can make a huge impact and God's words into our minds, we're going to discover today, can have the biggest impact. I want to read to you some scripture. I hope you'll be pleased to hear that from 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And this is a well-known scripture. I want to read to it, read it from a different version, the NIRV version. Um, and if it appear on the screen, so you don't worry about looking at your Bibles because you probably haven't got this Bible. But just it kind of just changes some of the words. It's a bit of fun and it just makes us maybe think and see things a little bit differently. So it says this. I do live, it says, in the world. This is the author here is a guy called Paul. And he was writing a letter to the church in Corinth. Corinth's like a messed up city. Things are going pretty badly wrong. And there's this newly birthed church there trying to find its way through. And so he's writing to them and he says this, I do live in the world, but I don't fight my battles the way the people of the world do. The weapons I fight with are not the weapons the world uses. In fact, it is just the opposite. My weapons have the power of God to destroy the camps of the enemy. I destroy every claim and every reason that keeps people from knowing God. I keep every thought under control in order to make it obey Christ. My title for today is Taking Back Control. We want to take back control of our mind. Let me pray for us as we dive into this scripture. Father God, I want to pray for all those watching, listening, whether live or on catch-up, in locations, in the studio here or online. I want to pray for our minds that we would be enabled to take back control and speak words of truth to replace the lies we so often believe. Amen. Amen. So if you look at first, uh, sorry, 2 Corinthians 10, we're going to start there in verse 3. I want to ask a few questions of this well-known scripture. He starts the writer there starts saying, um, I do live in this world, so just to say, you know, I'm the same as you. We're dealing with the same stuff. I'm, I'm facing the same challenges, but I don't fight in the same way, the same way the people of the world do. Now, this is really important because if you are a follower of Jesus today, we are different. We're different. We're meant to be different to the way the world works. We should work differently. If we look the same as the world, if we sound the same as the world, we do things the same as the world, then why on earth would anybody want to follow the way of Jesus if it looks like everyone else? We offer something different. We offer something unique. And we work differently and we fight our battles differently, he's saying there. We might live in the world, but we don't wage war in the world. Our battles... Ephesians tells us they're against spiritual, uh, in principalities and powers, that the spiritual things, they're not against the flesh and blood of this world around us. There's a whole fight going on, but it's not the people nearby. And often we make the mistake of blaming people and blaming groups of people and demonising other people for our problems when actually the fight needs to take place in our minds and in the spiritual realms. We need to make sure we're fighting this differently, not meant to be the same as everyone else. And then secondly, in verse 4, he says, The weapons I fight with are not the weapons the world uses. In fact, just the opposite. My weapons have the power. The power. The word their power is the word dunamis. And dunamis is this kind of miraculous, explosive power of God. It's like, um, it's where we get the word dynamite from. And it's kind of this huge kind of explosion of possibility. It's not a little bit powerful. It's kind of exponentially powerful. 
And we all have these weapons. Like Paul does, we have these same weapons. We'll get onto that in just a moment. But these are powerful, explosive weapons that you and I, as followers of Jesus, have the ability to overcome all the things that we face in our everyday life. And then he carries on the end of verse 4, and the power of God to destroy, he says, the camps of the enemy. Or in other versions, it's strongholds. And the word there is a word, ocuroma. Now, ocuroma is like a, um, uh, well, here's the thing. So back in the day, back in the day, a couple of thousand years ago, you would build your city, you'd build your walls, and then just to be on the safe side, you would build an ocuroma in the centre of your city. It would be a fortress. It would have 20-foot thick walls. It'd be like a, a panic room that you could go to in case of emergencies. You'd have all your stocks and, and all your a source of food there. You would have uh, maybe a place for your army to stay and where the wealthy and the, the royal family members or the important people could get in. And you could control the city from that fortress. That was the point of the Ocuroma. And what he's saying, the writer is saying there, is that the, the enemy... The devil has placed within our city walls, our minds, a stronghold, a fortress. He is camped out and he is making his home inside our minds. He shapes our thinking one lie at a time. He camps there and takes time to build like a prison of wrong thinking that we feel we're stuck in, which we talked about last time we were together. The whisper of lies that have some truth but then just get adapted and twisted to make us think it really is true. The idea that you can't trust anyone, that um, you will never succeed, you will always be without money, you will never have a good marriage, God does not hear your prayers, he doesn't care, no one cares. You will never make a difference, you won't amount to anything. We can kind of tell ourselves all those different stories and they lie, they rattle around, and what happens is the enemy's stronghold is just sitting inside our mind, and it's fooling us what is true. Then here comes the great verse, 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5, at the end of this passage, and Paul says this. He says, I destroy every claim and every reason that keeps people from knowing God. I keep every thought under control in order to make it obey Christ. Or in other versions, to take every thought captive. We need to take every thought captive. How on earth do you take every thought captive? Well, the word captive there is a word which I won't even try and pronounce because it will go very wrong and I'll offend a lot of Greek people. Um, but it, I might really make a mistake. But it means this, to take prisoner or conquer using a spear or a sword. Oh, that's a weapon. Oh, wow. Oh, OK, I see what you're doing here, Paul. You're telling us about the weapon that you carry is different and the weapon looks like the weapon you would do if you want to take someone captive with a spear or a sword. That points us towards one of his other letters, the Ephesians chapter 6, where he tells us about the armour of God. Put on the full armour of God. So you can take a standing against the devil's schemes. And he talks about the six different elements of the armour of God, the, the helmet of salvation, the, the shoes fitted with the gospel of peace, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, the, the shield of faith, and the only offensive weapon, the sword of the Spirit. What is the sword, the explosive... So what is the, the, the weapon that we have, the dunamis, explosive power weapon that God has given to each one of us? He's given the sword of the Spirit. 
And what is the sword of the Spirit? It's the Word of God. The written Word of God, the Logos of God, and also the spoken Word of God. When God speaks to us through prayer, the Ruach, the breath of God, which is his updated Word to each one of us. God is always speaking. He's spoken, and we have it in our scriptures today, but God is always speaking. And, our, and God's Word is the powerful weapons each one of us carries to capture the lies of the enemy. And if you're sitting and say, thinking, I feel absolutely uh, sort of locked in by my lies, locked in by the things I believe, locked in by the lies of the enemy, the stronghold he's camped inside of me, the good news is, through the power of the Word of God, we can take all those lies and replace them with truth. John 8 says that you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. If you want to win the war within, you need to start where the battle is strongest, inside your mind. Inside your mind and my mind, there is a battle ranging. Every single thought that comes your way, imagine it's like a train. You never heard that expression, the train of thought? Imagine if every single thought is a train coming at you. And the question is this, which train are you going to jump on? And which one are you going to let go straight past you? Sometimes we just go jumping onto those trains of thought without even thinking, where is this thought going? But we need to sometimes pause and go, before I say yes to this thought, where is it going? Do I want to get on this train? Do I want to go where this is heading? Do I want to click on that link? Do I want to open up that website browser? Do I want to make that one more bet, to have that one more drink, make that one more phone call? Do I want to do that one more thing that I know I probably shouldn't do? One more portion of food. One more check on my social media before I go to sleep. One more conversation with that person. One more flicking on Netflix and watching that and doing this. And What train do you want to jump onto? And which one do you need to wave on by? What thoughts are coming at you? Which ones are you captaining, saying, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to say no to that decision. Romans reminds us, that God uh, transforms into new people by changing the way that we think. The way we think is so important. And we to replace our thinking that hurts us and damages us with life-giving words that God gives to us. We read last week from Romans chapter 8 saying these words, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires desires. If you want to fight and overcome your fleshy desires, can I give some advice right now? Don't fight them with fleshly weapons. Don't fight with just your physical ability, your natural ability. If you are struggling with, with challenges today, if you're struggling with, with anxious thoughts, worried thoughts, if you're struggling with, uh, you know, with, with addictive thoughts, the answer is not just to kind of fix it with human methods. Because if you fight things with fleshly things, you'll just get fleshly results. And the, the writer there in Romans says, if you want to live in a court, sorry, if you want to get what the Spirit desires, live in accordance with the Spirit. And the answer to our fleshly desires is to turn our attention to God, to live in accordance with His Spirit. If we live His way, the rest will work itself out. 
when we start giving our attention to the challenge we're facing, we think, right, I'll fix that, I'll do a new course, I'll read a different book, I'll just try and overcome my natural ability. That's good, there's some place for that. But as people who follow Jesus and want to walk his way, we need to be people who give our attention to the Holy Spirit. It's not about mind over matter, but it really matters what happens inside your mind. So I'll ask you the question today, everyone listening, and the students as well, you don't get away from this. How is your thought life? What are you thinking right now? And maybe that's a dangerous question because some of you are probably looking forward to lunch and maybe how you're going to get your car out of the car park with all the crowds around. What are you going to do? What's your, what are your thoughts right now? What are the strongholds that hold you back? What kind of quality of thoughts are you processing? What quantity of thoughts? We live in a very busy world. Uh, what are you putting into your head? I know people say to me, well, it doesn't really matter if I watch things that aren't really very helpful because I can filter. I've learned how to filter things that aren't really good for me to see or to read or hear about. Re really? I have some genuine concerns about that kind of idea that I can sit myself in front of a television that throws thousands of things at me and I can filter out all those trains of thought coming flying at me all the time. I, 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 I don't know if I could do that. You know, these specialists tell us that around us at any one moment in time, one second in time, there are a billion bits of information and every single one of us picks out about 30. Every second there are a billion bits of information around you and we all pick out a handful. What about all the ones we don't see, don't realise they're the attitudes, the subtle underlying activity that's taking place we haven't picked up on but still affects our mind? I am absolutely convinced more than ever before. I mean, I was taught this when I was doing um, A-level computer studies. If you put garbage in, you get garbage out. We were taught that for computer programming. The idea is still the same. If you put loads of junk in you, then that will affect the way you think. And out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. It will come out. Eventually, what comes in must come out. And I believe there is a direct correlation between your spiritual well-being and the time you spend listening to and reading God's word compared to other input you might put in. And maybe you're somebody who spends, you know, a good 10, 15, 20 minutes a day, half an hour a day, an hour a day reading the word of God, listening to God's voice. But maybe spend what the average is three to four hours a day on social media, on the internet, on different uh, platforms. You know, I, I personally, I don't like being out of control. I like to know what's going on. I like that my team will tell you that. I like to know what's happening. I like to be aware of what's going on around me. But do you know what's worse than being out of control? What's worse is being fully in control and still making bad choices. Think about that for a moment. Having the ability to say no to something, but still saying yes. Choosing to rather than put things down, to pick things up, to make a terrible decision because I can make a decision even though I know it's not good for me. Giving my attention to the wrong thing. Consuming myself with unnecessary activity that I know is not good for me, but I'm choosing to do it anyway. And you might be thinking, well, God's in control anyway, Sim. It's his grace. It doesn't really matter. We can just trust in him. Yes, God is in control. But listen, God does not always take control. He allows us to choose what we do with what he's put in front of us. God does not control how much food 
we put in from our plate. He doesn't force you to put the spoon down if you want to carry on. He doesn't control how much news you read and how much Bible you read. He doesn't force you to watch more Netflix or to flick it off. You have full control of that remote control we've already mentioned. Uh, how much Instagram you consume or other social media platforms, there's a reason why it's called a feed. It feeds you and you are fully in control of what you are doing. God is in control but he doesn't always take control. Self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. And how do you grow fruit? You take a small seed, you plant it, you water it, you tend it, you nurture it, and eventually it grows into full fruit. The same with self-control. If you want to have the fruit of self-control, it starts with a small seed. It starts with small steps, small efforts, because you have some control. You don't have all the control. You can't control what happens. You have some control. But God is in control. God is in control. You only have an ability to do what you can do with what's in front of you. You can't control what happens to you. You can't control the weather. Whatever the weather app says, you can't control it. You can't control what other people might do. You can't control the traffic that happens. You can't control the pandemic. But you can control how you react to it. And you can control, therefore, what goes into your mind. If you can control your thoughts, you can shape a life that you love or you loathe. You and I both get that choice. Do you remember the story of Moses, where Moses is getting sidetracked by what other people think? He's moaning to God and saying, God, it's not fair. What are they going to say? What will Pharaoh do? What will the Israelites say when I go back? Uh, what will my family say? And I can't even speak properly. I don't have the skills to do what you're doing. And God breaks into Moses' pity party and says, enough, enough, enough. What is that in your hand? And there's a staff, a shepherd's crook in his hand. And God says, use that. And I think sometimes we spend so much time worrying what other people are thinking. God is just saying to us, forget what other people are thinking. Let's talk about what you're thinking. And what have I given to you to use today? There is so much going on around us, but it's important to remember it's the battle for your mind, not other people's mind. That's their responsibility. Yes, everybody is fighting their own battle. It's good to remember that we're not alone, that other people are facing their challenges. But what are you doing in your mind right now? What is your thought life like? Are you taking back control on your thoughts? Don't worry about other people. Focus on what you're doing, what God is challenging you with right now. So as we wrap this up, let's get the band back into place to give you all a bit of hope that Sim is actually going to finish at some point today. Um, but some of you, some of you watching and listening today, you might even be more worried about that remote control I mentioned, where it is on your sofa, and small things, than worried about capturing all your thoughts, taking them captive. Some of you may be more worried about social media and how you are seen by strangers you've never met than worried about what the Father God sees of your internal thought life. Some of us are more worried by the flesh and the opinions of the world than by taking every thought captive and honouring our Father God. I want to encourage you today to take back control of our thoughts, to speak out God's truth, to replace the lies with his truth, not just your truth or a version of truth, but the truth, God's truth, his written and spoken word. It will create long-term change.
And here's my final thought for you. Your ability and my ability, your ability to create and take captive every single thought will change the trajectory of your life. Think about that for a moment. Your ability to take captive every thought will change, transform the trajectory of your life completely. But even more than that, it will have an impact on the lives of those around you. It will affect those that live with you, your spouse, your children, your family. It will affect your colleagues, uh, your workplace. It will affect your generation and generations to come. The way that we behave and the way we take every thought captive transforms us and impacts other people for generations to come. Like that original photo of an empty shelf in Australia sent the world into a craze around finding more toilet roll. Your ability to take every thought captive has huge ramifications through generations to come. Small thoughts have a big, cap a big impact. We need to grab our thoughts, take back control and give our mind over to the truth that Christ has set us free. Let us pray for us and I'll hand over to the worship team. Father God, thank you that you've given each one of us the ability and not just the ability, the weapons to take every thought captive, that we have the ability to speak truth against the lies of the evil one. We have the ability to declare who you said we are rather than believe who we think we are. Lord, help us to become more familiar with your scripture, the word of God you've given to us through generations. Lord, may we spend more time listening to your word, your voice, that you would speak truth into our lives. And Lord, I pray for a breakthrough where there are people watching, listening today, if you, are, if you are struggling with a stronghold today, Lord, I want to pray there'll be a breakthrough in people's thinking, that you would break in and point out what people have got in their hand, what you've given to them already, that they would know the truth, and the truth will set us free, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. For more information about Freedom Church, please go to www.freedomchurch.uk Thank you for listening.